Hello, and thank you for joining us today. My name is Danielle Putnam, and on behalf of Women in HVACR, I am thrilled to introduce you to our special guest. He is a professional public speaker, author, and the number one customer service expert. And believe it or not, he's an avid motorcycle rider in his spare time. Welcome, Steve Kasha. Thank you, Danielle. Welcome, everyone. This will be a, uh, a brief uh, podcast in which I'm going to try to squeeze in as much information as possible. So I'll be speaking about uh, customer service from uh, the consultant's perspective, uh, speaking about anecdotes that I encounter out in the field, as long as uh, in addition to uh, much of what I write about and, uh, and do research. My, my work in, in customer service um, is based on about 25 years of being a service manager. And after that, I started consulting. And I work with the folks in the office, people on the phones, people in finance, then I also work with the people out in the field, and uh, my company has published a um, soft skills curriculum and textbook that's taught at about 115 colleges. So a lot of the trade technicians in plumbing, heating, refrigeration, they get to take our our soft skills course. So that's the uh, that's the, uh, the the origin of much of the information that I'm going to speak about today. Um, in service. There's no substitute for having a competent manager who knows how to enforce the right behaviors. And I can't be more emphatic about that word enforce because being a world-class operation doesn't happen without someone who's tough enough to keep the bar high. And it sounds politically incorrect to use the word tough, but that's what's, that's what's required to... Uh, enable people to reach a higher bar. And it doesn't mean someone has to be ugly or difficult. It just means a manager has to be inflexible about quality. And it always begins with making sure you've got the right team and only letting the best people in. And from what I hear speaking to contractors around the country, it's becoming harder and harder to get the right people in. I just took a nine-day business trip up through New England uh, during which I served numerous contractors and heard lots of uh, interesting complaints from the company owners about trying to hire people. And it's uh, becoming more and more challenging to find the right people. I still think the right people are out there. It just takes a lot more due diligence to find them. And uh, a competent manager should always be more interested in getting the right people rather than just trying to fill a position. And there's uh, no substitute for doing all the background checks and the drug testing and everything else to make sure that we've got the right people working for our companies. And managing services is always about establishing the expectations. For example, if a, if a service manager sends a, uh, a service person out to a supply house to buy some, some materials and parts for the job sites, and he says to the driver, uh, go to the supply house, I want you to get, some, uh, I want you to get two coils, I want you to get some filters and deliver them to these drive sites. And here's the company credit card. Make sure you fill the truck with gas. Now, that sounds like pretty simple instruction. However, uh, when a manager delegates like that and he doesn't prioritize the instruction by saying, make sure you put the gas in the truck first. Because a actual anecdote that happened recently was a manager forgot to ask someone to put the gas in the truck first. And while the driver was out going to, to the supply house and driving to the job sites, he ran out of gas and set the company behind schedule and someone else had to jump in and, 
and get into another vehicle. And that's how companies lose efficiency from a service perspective. So managers need to be aware of how they delegate and, and also to make sure they are, they are prioritizing and setting expectations uh, for the right behaviors that they expect from the people that, that they manage. Uh, another aspect of what I invest lots of time doing is I invest time in showing company owners and managers how to lead an effective meeting. What I have seen out in the field with some of the meetings that companies might have, like in the early morning with their installers and, and, and technicians, or a staff meeting with the office folks, is uh, managers haven't, haven't learned how to uh, prioritize, how to personalize, and how to engage their employees to maximize information retention. And in the same way, any good instructor would use good instructional design to make sure that students remember a message, managers ought to do this, the same thing. They ought to design the meeting so they're, they're gauging what they want employees to feel, understand, do, and remember. And that is called the residual. So when you think about the word residual, it means something is left over afterwards. So, so regarding to a staff meeting, a manager has to, has to ask herself or himself, what do I want employees to remember after this meeting? What do I want them to feel, understand, do, and remember? And then gauge the agenda around that. And a, a, a great agenda, in my opinion, is an agenda that, uh, that develops in real time. So that in the course of a meeting, when you have an escalated call from a, from a customer about something that went wrong out in the field, that becomes an agenda item for next week's meeting. Or when you get a complimentary letter from a customer, that becomes an agenda item for next week's meeting. And you know, all the events that happen in the course of a week, they become agenda items. This way they are relevant and everyone's going to remember them and relate back to them. So those are some of the ways managers can, can make sure that the front line has the information they need that's well prioritized, well delivered, so they can serve customers well. Now, the other thing that happens on the front line is the actual communication. And this is where enforcement and keeping the bar high matters. There's a misconception about, about training in that once you've trained someone, they're supposed to know it now. And the more you engage with your employees during these meetings, um, the more they're going to retain. Your employees are going to remember more about what their peers say than what you say. So the more you get your employees to speak up and engage, you start to leverage this, this factor as, a, as a, a, um, a service tool. And the factor is that talkers are learners. So the more employees get to talk during a service meeting, the more they're all going to learn. And again, they'll remember more about what, about what their peers say than what, than what you say. So working with the with the front line, whether it's someone out in the field or someone on the on the phone, you know, I try to get people to shift their mindset because in 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 many cases, customers are are calling to find out what you charge for something, and I call that a transactional call, where a customer is calling for a price, and my my advice to the to the front line is to keep a mindset of shifting the transactional call into a relational call. So what people on the front line should be doing as world-class service professionals is when someone asks for a price, 
they should keep a mindset of how, how can I best establish a relationship with this customer. So, so that, that shifting is pretty important when we're trying to serve, serve customers. So let me, let me just play a brief example of what a transactional call might sound like. How can I help you? I'm there. Do you claim pharmacy? Yes, I do. Um, how much do you charge? For service calls, it takes approximately half an hour to do that. Oh, no. I'm trying to clean the next week. Oh, okay. That's okay. 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 And there you have it. That's a transactional call where a customer calls asking for a price and asking for a schedule. And the person on the front line has not been trained to engage. Uh, the most frightening part of that phone call, in my opinion, was when the service professional says, bye-bye, and they're, uh, they're, they're terminating the call way, way too soon. So what service professionals need to be trained in is when, when a customer calls and asks for a price, that's our cue to ask questions about the customer. The first words out of a service professional's mouth after someone asks for a price is, oh, we can help you with that. I just need to gather a little information first. So, you know, one example of what a relational call might sound like could be something uh, such as this. It's a great here at Cavalry Heating and Cooling where it's always 72 degrees. This is Danielle speaking. How can I make you smile today? Hi there, Danielle. My name's Wade Boyd. I got one of your guys' little letters in the mail. And I oh, thought okay. I'd check it out and see what you guys could do for me. All right. Well, my job is to make sure I get you the right help. I'm one of the client care representatives here. So in order for me to serve you better, let's start with gathering some information. Who do I have the pleasure of speaking with? All right. So there's a, you know, there's an example. It's a real call again. And what someone's doing is saying that they're going to be able to help. I'm a client care representative. And I just need to gather a little information. Simple, simple shift. Now, uh, if you, if you, your calls are recorded, and you're monitoring the calls, or if a call source or someone else is monitoring your calls, what they, what they want to be listening for in phone calls are five factors. And these, these five vocal factors over the phone, uh, they, are, they, are, they are the segments of a person's voice that convey what is called a vocal image. Over the phone, you can't see the other person. So people imagine what the other person looks like. They imagine what their work environment is like. And all of that imagining is going on based on the audio, what they're hearing. So the five factors that comprise the vocal image are pace of speech, vocal tonality, clarity, empathy, and word selection. So I'll say those again in case you're writing them down. The first one is pace of speech, number two is vocal tonality, number three is clarity, number four is empathy, and number five is word selection. Now these five segments are what enable a service professional to convey a more positive vocal image. And that more positive vocal image is a 
message that customers are more likely to cooperate with. So when you hear some, uh, some phone greetings that are way too fast and it's, it's almost impossible to try to figure out what the person is saying, well, that is happening because of a pace of speech issue. So if you want to hear a uh, unintelligible uh, greeting, here's one for you. So that's a real greeting. And did you get the did you get the company's name? Let me play it again. Listen carefully for the company's name. Did you get the company's name? <laughs> well, I can't hear it either. Now that's what happens in the in the course of a day when uh, when the pace of speech begins to to increase. The pace of speech at which I am speaking right now is probably about 130 words per minute. Any, anywhere from 120 to 150 words per minute is a pretty good pace. Uh, once someone gets up to that uh, 200 word per minute range, 250 word per minute range, then you start to have a, a, um, a, uh, a manifestation of what is called slurred speech. So when you consider the vocal image, and what people imagine about someone else. You know, what do people imagine when they hear slurred speech? Well, people hear slurred speech and they might think the person's not too smart or the person is preoccupied or busy or you get all these negative vocal images. And the whole idea is to keep the vocal image positive. So those five factors, they all culminate together and they enable a service professional to convey something more, more warm and customers, when they hear it, they are more apt to cooperate with you. Uh, one, one small thing about word selection uh, is that I learned early on in my service career that words can be weapons. Use the wrong word, you can be making things worse. So one of the, one of the concepts that I speak about often is a concept called containment. Containment is about keeping a situation within fixed limits. In the same way a container keeps fluid from spilling, a service professional contains their emotions, they contain their feelings, they contain their pace of speech, their vocal tonality, they keep those things within fixed limits and they, they don't allow themselves to get upset and let the pace of speech pick up or to sound like they're annoyed or frustrated. So containment is a very powerful vocal imaging technique. And along with, with, with that are those words. The uh, pronouns such as you or your, for example, are words that can imply blame. So when a service professional says something like, you broke it, or your problem is that, and whatever a customer hears, you or your, those words can imply blame, they can make things worse. So it goes against the grain of what we're trying to accomplish in keeping situations more contained. Uh, some, some small things about, about words also is uh, what, uh, what Chick-fil-A does by saying it's my pleasure. And uh, boy, that, that goes a long way. So this is what I often hear during, during calls. I'll play that again. I hear it's no problem 90% of the time. Uh, when when I am serving serving companies, and it should be. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. It just sounds 
a little different, has more panache, more finesse. Uh, I believe customers are more likely to assume that you're that that you're smarter if you use the right words and the right vernacular when you're serving customers. And that vocal image it can be a pretty powerful force in in just enabling uh, someone to convey the vocal image that will get a customer to want to become more curious and listen more to what you have to say. And that's what we that's what we that's what we really want when we serve customers. Every now and then you'll get a customer who is uh, what I call verbose. Verbose means uh, talking too much. So you know some some companies get uh, get phone calls from the senior population, someone who may not get out that much and they may not yeah, talk to too many people. So when they do get someone on the phone and you got a nice pleasant tone of voice, that they want to talk to you. So they may be calling to schedule maintenance on their system, but they also want to tell you about their new kitty and they want to tell you about their new granddaughter, and they start to go off, off track. My advice for whenever you're having to deal with a verbose call, someone who, who talks too much, is to think about preserving their self-esteem, and we do that by making sure we ask a question. What I have found is that questions are non-threatening. Statements can be, but questions are usually not non-threatening. So if someone starts to get off track, and they become verbose during a service call. And let's say it's 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 a during your peak incoming call season. What I suggest you do is just to ask a question. And the question can be something as simple as, Mr. Smith, I understood that when you first called, you were asking about maintenance. And now that we've got that scheduled, was there anything else that I can help you with? And just ask a question such as that. Nice tone of voice, nice and polite. Get the answer to the question. And what you're doing is you're moving towards what is called mutual closure. You're reminding the person about why they called in the first place. So it's a, it's a method we can use to respect the person, preserve their self-esteem, and still get things done. So we can be the best service professional that we can be and get enough cooperation when we are serving our customers. That's what we want to do. So the vocal image also includes the vocal clarity. Clarity is what we do when we articulate. And the rule about uh, vocal articulation, it goes like this. The purpose of a consonant is to separate the vowels. So if you, if you remember consonants and vowels from your grade school English class, uh, consonants are more the hard sounds, vowels are more the soft sounds. And we articulate well when we permit the consonants to start and stop and separate the vowels. If they don't separate the vowels, we begin to slur our speech. We heard the example of that earlier when we listened to that phone call with that rushed greeting where someone was speaking at a very, very fast pace of speech. So the vocal clarity, the articulation, and that message about uh, making sure that consonants separate the vowels is what we want to focus on. When you, when you think about asking questions again, uh, if you get a call from someone who uh, may be calling about a replacement system and you, you're working towards capturing the information, there are ways to ask questions. And I'm a big believer in asking questions the right way and giving customers lots of options to do that. So here's an example of one way to ask a, a question. Which option works best for you? 
So you give the, the customer a chance to answer which option works best for you, or here's another way to ask the question. When would you like to schedule this service? So when would you like to schedule the service? Keep it open-ended, maintain the cooperation, and here's another way to ask the question. Among the solutions that we discussed, is there one that stands out? Now the key thing about asking questions is to stop talking after you ask the question. I have seen numerous people ask a question and then there's that two or three seconds of awkward silence and the person who asked the question starts talking again and they blow the opportunity. And the discipline to maintain is even in the presence of the awkward silence, you are courteous and you're silent. You're waiting for the answer. So it's a little it takes uh, it takes discipline and it takes patience, but that's what that's what people do. They wait for the answer because the next person who is going to speak is the person who is going to make a decision about this. So that's that's what we want to work towards when we're when we're serving serving customers and asking questions and capturing the information that we need so we can do our job and serve our customers well. So I want to speak about. Uh, challenging calls uh, or difficult calls as we as we uh, refer to them so, so it's very infrequent but every now and then you may get a uh, a challenging phone call and I have an example of one I want to play here here's a gentleman named named Tom who works in the service department and he gets a call from a customer uh, for whom uh, we just installed a new furnace the day before so here's Tom's call this is Tom how can I help you yeah, hi. Um, I'm calling about this system that was installed in my house yesterday. All right. Doesn't work. Um, no heat this morning. Um, the thermostat, which was set at 68, is at 64. Nothing's running. Um, yeah, I don't even know where it is. doesn't start. matter what it is. It should be working flawlessly. So what you what you had there was a a, a stunned customer service person. Uh, customer called about uh, about a problem from the from the day before, and Tom was stunned. Uh, this this is a, one of those dreaded calls that no one likes to get, but when it happens, we have to deal with them. And the key tactic to remember is that when you when you get a challenging call, frontline people must be trained to pause, take a deep breath and then think rationally about what to do next. I'll say that again. Pause, take a deep breath, and then think rationally. Uh, and I, I mentioned the rational thinking component because in the absence of rational thinking, uh, customer service reps usually start to become irrational and they take the call personally. And whenever they take the call personally, their, their fight or flight or their stress mechanism kicks in. Once that happens, their main preoccupation is about survival. It's not about empathy. And empathy was one of those five key phone voice components. And empathy means you're focused on the customer, not on yourself. So that pause, that slow deep breath of the rational thinking, it's called a, a, a split-second response. It's a habit service professionals should be focused on. And it's something that enables someone to be more constructive during those, 
those challenging phone calls that may arise from time to time. I know they're infrequent and they don't happen very often, but, but when they do, they can be challenging. Let me just play the second half of that call with Tom so you can hear what happens next. Well, here's what's going to happen since, you know, I can't be inconvenienced again. Um, here's going to be the deal. My wife is going to give a phone call to your company. Whatever time she says she's going to be there, that's when someone's going to be there. We pretty much don't sell. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm being unreasonable here. See, I've been a 16-year customer. I've had two systems installed. When I pay for something, I want it to, be, I want it to deliver. Well, that wasn't too good. Now, what happened there is a customer made a demand. Uh, Tom is probably still stunned from the first part of the phone call. And when the customer made a, made a demand, Tom started to explain that they don't schedule calls that way. And right at that moment was when the call got worse. It exploded or exacerbated. And it is those moments that service professionals look to avert when they're serving customers. Again, it comes back to containment. The service professional's job is to keep situations contained so they don't get worse. That's what service professionals do. So I know I've been at this about about 30 minutes now. So I'm going to go ahead and um, see if there's any questions or or remarks about anything that I've I've covered here. So Danielle, are there are there any questions from from the participants? Steve, we actually don't have any questions. We've had several comments come in that this was terrific content, um, but no questions at this time. Wow, what fantastic information. We truly appreciate your time and wealth of knowledge, so thank you, thank you. Also, a big thank you to everyone listening. Let's go out and serve our customers and make it a great day.